0: Amen. Thank you so much. Would you find First Samuel chapter 12, verse 28, either in your Bibles, on your phone, or the Bible that maybe is underneath the seat? Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Appreciate our praise band. Aaron worked up a sweat, and the praise band has been standing a long time through Lord's Supper and everything, so we appreciate them. And thank you so much. And uh, listen, if you're, if you're coming, if you're a child, kid coming to Bible school, so many of them are in children's church, or really, would you raise your hand and keep your hand up? I see some hand. Keep them up. If you're helping in Bible school, would you If you brought anything for Bible school, would you raise your hand? Anybody, lots of hands that go up. Appreciate we're gonna be praying for you this week. we to be praying for you later in our service today. And so we appreciate you looking forward to it. Exciting times, exciting day, exciting summer always is around here. It's been an exciting uh, time to be together here already uh, as well. and. Next week, of course, we've got camps that are coming. I know next week we're going to be also praying, commissioning some of those who are going out on mission trips. I know this summer may be others, but we've got some going to Puerto Rico, San Antonio, Poland. And uh, so we're we'll going to be praying for those particularly next week and commissioning those as well. So I'm, rem- I'm reminded, it reminds me of uh, going on one of our trips. We took a group to Ukraine a few years ago and all the way to Ukraine. You know, when you fly church, I guess. You always go the cheapest way. So we had lots of layovers, two or three plane rides, I guess. I remember one particular, we were delayed getting into a particular airport where we had a small layover anyway. And so fearful that we would uh, not make our connection. You ever seen anybody running to the airport? That was us. We were the family of home alone on steroids, kind of making our way. And Everybody had a backpack and a large carry-on, suitcases, of course, you didn't have to worry about because of the supplies we were taking and the aid we were taking in with us. And so we were running through the airport. Somebody said they had to go to the bathroom. I said, they got a bathroom on the plane. We can't wait. Come on. Somebody else said, can I stop and get something to drink? I said, are you outside your mind? We've got to get to the to the gate. And just so happened, of course, our our gate's on the way on the other side of the airport. So we've got... We were riding trams, going up and down escalators. We come to one escalator, and people are waiting in line to get on the escalator. And I said, pick up your bag. We're running up the stairs. Run, give me a bag. We've got to go. We're running through, weaving through people, knocking them down. Not really. Wouldn't it be terrible to knock people down? Say, so get, get out of my way. I've got to tell people about Jesus or something. And uh, I think I did turn to somebody, and I said, uh, stop running like a girl. Let's get, It was not a girl, by the way, that we ran. Made it finally to our gate, and guess what? We did make it, but not without a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And then it just so happened on the way back, we were delayed again. And I thought, oh, no, here we go again. And just before we landed, there was a voice that came over the loudspeaker. This is your pilot speaking. I know that, uh, sorry about the delay. Said, I know many of you have some flight connections. That almost sounds like it, doesn't it? I know many of you have some flight connections, but they are holding your plane, and there'll be a team member, one of our employees, who will be there waiting for you as you uh, get off the plane. Just have your boarding pass ready. Thank you for flying with us. And sure enough, we got there. There was an employee that was waiting for us, and it was much different than the last delay in which we had. We just casually made our way toward the plane and had somebody leading for us, and we're confident that they were holding the plane for us. Now, I did see some people rushing, some who I thought were on our plane. And I thought to myself, didn't they hear the pilot? Or maybe they heard the pilot, but they truly did not believe it. And we had no carry-ons, we had no luggage. We'd given everything away, of course, on our trip. So we had nothing to carry away. It was much smoother, much, uh, much better, a lot less worry and stress in this particular place. And the plane was waiting on us to r- arrive. Maybe you know where we're going with this. Many people, even those who are professing believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, seem to live a life in a frenzy as if they may not make their destination. If they make it, it will all depend on them and no one else. And they choose to carry extra baggage around, mostly guilt or the things of this world, things that they perhaps need to confess or to let go of altogether. Worry and stress seems to be the fruit of this kind of life instead of the fruit that we are told and the fruit of the Spirit, which has to do with peace and joy. But the voice of the pilot who is on our journey for those of us who are believers in the Lord Jesus, he's already spoken. And he's told us, I've prepared a place for you and I'll go and I will come again and bring you to myself so that where I am you may be also. He's also given us a comforter and our guide that we know as the Holy Spirit. He's taken away all of our baggage so as not to worry or carry around guilt. His assurance that He will never leave us nor forsake us lets us know that we will uh, go out, know that we will be at the destination that He has in store for us. Now, if you choose to go out on your own, and I know that you have because I know that I have, then we know that the Lord is working to bring us back in the right place, bring us back in the right path, so that we can be exactly where He is waiting for us so that we might be part of the kingdom and be able to help grow the kingdom as His hands and feet and as He, he is preparing a place for all eternity. He, he is doing that for you. And He wants to do that for your family members. He wants to do that for all of our church members. He wants to do that for all of our community and all the people that we know. Did you hear the message? Your connections have been taken care of, then why live as if you had not heard the message or you heard it, but you've chosen not to believe it. You've heard the difference between belief and faith. To believe something and not really have faith is to say you believe it or to intellectually believe it, but refuse to put that belief into action. Because if it's a belief that is true faith, then it will be put to the test. Faith, on the other hand, faith causes you to act on that belief. I believe that that chair will hold me up, you might say, but faith is when you actually go and you sit in the chair. I believe that plane will carry me to my destination, but faith comes when you go and you buy the ticket and you actually board that plane. I believe in Jesus. Faith is actually putting the weight of the afterlife and of this life in the hands of Jesus and allowing that faith to determine all of your actions and your attitude Easier said than done? Well, listen, that's why we gather here every week in worship services such as this. It's why you need to go to God's Word and pray every day. It's why you need to do community with small groups and Sunday school and Bible study so that you can sit around and you can say, Now, what was it that the pilot said? What was it that we're hearing? He's holding our next flight. He'll guide us to every destination. No need to worry. No, that can't be right. I think I need to start running. I think I need to start worrying. Oh, I need to carry some luggage and some baggage with me. I probably need some excess baggage. Just in case I have, to make sure I have everything that I need and get to wherever it is I'm going. So we think. But there's more. In fact, there's an instruction manual for us. Let's read part of it. 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 24. It says this, Only fear the Lord and serve Him faithfully with all your heart, for consider what great things He has done for you. It's an Old Testament passage that is relevant to a New Testament believer. The Lord has provided all that we need to be able to serve Him faithfully, confidently, and joyfully. And today we're going to concentrate particularly on that last phrase. Consider the great things the Lord has done. Greatest of these symbolized in the Lord's Supper that you partook in of today because of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. We're proclaiming and we're thinking about, we're considering the great thing that the Lord has done for us when He gave His life. And we're going to ask, what difference should it make? I mean, if you truly believe, how do we demonstrate that faith if you've placed your faith in Jesus? Hopefully you're following along on your notes today, but we understand because He has done great things, celebrate your redemption in Christ. Our text, verse 24, comes toward the end of the longest speech made by the great prophet Samuel and what's called his farewell speech. Now, Samuel will still have much input in what's going to be said and done, particularly in 1 Samuel and well into the life and first part of the life of the story of David. But as far as the leader of Israel, where he was as God's prophet, now there will be a king. In fact, look at 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 1. Very same chapter, first verse. It says, And Samuel said to all Israel, Behold, I have obeyed your voice and all that you have said to me and have made a king over you. Saul is now becoming their king. And Samuel tells them, as their prophet and priest, he'll continue to pray for them and teach them all things in the ways of God. One of the reasons that the nation wanted a king was because of the threat of the enemies that were around. Who had kings? Now we know of the Philistines, and they'll continue to be enemies of Israel, and they'll continue to fight the Philistines to come. But in the chapter before this, 1 Samuel chapter 11, it's the Ammonites who are threatening the Israelites. As a matter of fact, uh, the Ammonites, they had come, and they had besieged the city Jabesh-Gilead, northwest corner of an Israeli city in that area. And they had come, and as they had besieged the city, the men of that town asked the leader of the Ammonites, said, uh, will you make a treaty with us? If you'll make a treaty with us, then we will serve you. And the leader of the Ammonites, a cruel and evil man, said, I will make a treaty with you if every man in that city will gouge out his right eye, thus bringing disgrace to all Israel. Well, the men responded by saying, well, give us a week and we'll give you your answer. And then word went out to all of Israel. Israel about what was taking place. When the word came to the city in which King Saul, or the one who was to be King Saul was living, uh, it says that the city wept. Saul, at that time still a farmer. He had not quite been crowned king. He had already been anointed king privately, He had already been selected as king before the people, but he had not been crowned until this particular event happened. When the word came, the city wept, and Saul, still the farmer, comes in the field behind a yoke of oxen. And when he hears about the plight of the people in the city of Jabesh-Gilead, the Bible says, The Holy Spirit rushed upon Saul, and Saul sacrificed the oxen, cut up the oxen, sent it to all of the many parts around Israel, and said to the people of Israel, That this will happen to your oxen, to all of your animals, if you do not come and fight the enemy with Saul and with Samuel. He rallies the troops. And he has his first victory. It's a great beginning to what should have been a good and godly reign. And the people of Israel are pumped about their new king. They said, that's my king. They said, that's what I'm talking about. That's the king we needed. Well, that's loosely translated. Let's read what they really said. 1 Samuel chapter 11. And then it says in verse 12, Then the people said to Samuel, Who is it that said, Shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that they may be Put them to death. In other words, they said, anybody who voted against this king, they're not, we're not going to allow them to live. But then listen to what Saul said in verse 13. 1 Samuel 11, verse 13. Torres says, But Saul said, Not a man shall be put to death this day. For today the Lord has worked salvation in Israel. Now, regardless of what you think about King Saul, the first Saul, the first king of Israel. This was a shining moment for this king because not only won his first victory, but he had given glory and honor to the Lord who had brought salvation. Just to finish out this little section here in chapter eleven, look at verse fifteen, the last verse in that chapter. It says, "So all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal, and there they sacrificed peace offerings before the Lord, and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly." It's official. Saul is now crowned the king of Israel, the first king. But the focus and the rejoicing is over what God hath done. Today we've come into this place and as part of our praise and our worship and our Lord's Supper, we celebrate our redemption and salvation found in Jesus. We've done it with song and praise and even the proclamation of His Word. We do it weekly as a group, sometimes more often. You should do it regularly on a daily basis. Celebrate the salvation that you have in Jesus. Even if it seems that the enemy is winning, you can know that the victory is assured in Jesus. And if you're truly considering all that God has done, you cannot help but rejoice, particularly for your salvation. If you do this, He will transform your worship. He'll change and transform not just how you worship outwardly, but what happens inwardly. It will not be about style. It will only be about who. Listen, if you would, what uh, Peter, excuse me, what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace. So often we read the Old Testament, and often it's what we should not be doing. It's kind of refreshing to be reading something that we should be doing, a good example. Because He has done great things, you want to fit your story into His story? You want to fit your story into His story? I want you to see what may be an important part of Samuel's speech. For what we're going to learn is that God has a story. It is the story of redemption. It's the story of the history of the people of the Bible. It's the story of the history of the world. And it all points to Jesus. And Samuel's description of it helps us to see where we can fit in and get in on his story and not the other way around. Because too often what we want to do is we want to somehow fit the Lord and fit our faith into the story that we're writing for ourselves instead of allowing God to write His story on our life. I want you to be able to understand this because what the Lord's always doing I mean after all we're, we're thinking about this and uh, we're thinking we're trying to fit the Lord into our life and that's a good thing because a lot of people not thinking about God at all but there's even a better way I think we learn from the scripture because God's always at work lovingly to be able to bring those who are believers and followers of the Lord Jesus, to get in on His game plan. I want you to, I want you to get the big picture here and what's taking place because when your life fits in and with God's purpose, it helps us to be able to know that we're in the right time and the right place for what God has in store for us. Watch this, First Samuel chapter 12 and verse 2. It says, And now, behold, the king walks before you, and I am old and gray, Samuel says. And behold, my sons are with you. They used to be judges, but they were not good judges. But now they're just with them. I've walked before you from my youth until this day. And he spends a few verses there talking about the integrity as he sought to follow Christ and asked them to testify on his behalf. But he spent much more time talking about God's story of redemption. Look at First Samuel chapter 12 and verse 6. It says, And Samuel said to the people, The Lord is witness who appointed Moses and Aaron brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. He then talks about Jacob who took his family to Egypt and then Moses and Aaron whom God used to bring them out of Egypt. How God was with them, how God provided for them and saved them. Even up to the last battle against the Ammonites and God's provision, he recognizes his place in the world events and things that are happening right now. 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 13. And it says this, And now behold, the king you have chosen, for whom you have asked, behold, the Lord has set a king over you. In other words, see how God is at work. And Samuel doesn't Samuel does even have a fraction of the history of redemption that we have now because... You know of King David, greatest king in the, the Old Testament, born and then as a descendant, there would be one greater than king, king David who would be Savior of the world. And you know him, the one who was born in Bethlehem, God incarnate, God in the flesh, lived a perfect life, preached truth and love, died for us and took our place on the cross of Calvary's tree. Three days later, he rose again. For 40 days, he was seen by multiples of people. Then He ascended to heaven and He's coming again. We live now in what is called the church age. We are living in the last days, you understand. But also the Apostle Paul was living in the last days. And Jesus is at work to bring all people to Himself who have placed their faith in Him. This is my place. This is your place in His story. Your place in history. Well, I mean, consider that really have not been a whole lot of things that have happened in this century on a global scale. Well, that's sarcasm in case you missed it. We are reminded to situate our lives in what is happening in the world today so that we might position our life in what God is doing rather than to try to just fit Him into my little world. For it's His world, His story, and He has an agenda. And if we're doing what we're supposed to do, see if you can follow this. If we're doing what we're supposed to do today, we're called on today from God's Word, that we're to consider the great things that God has done. If we're doing that well, then we'll want to fit, you'll want to fit your story into His story, not the other way around. And and when that happens, He'll transform your attitude. Now let's let's get really New Testament. Does this remind you of anything that Jesus said, perhaps maybe on the Sermon on the Mount? Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Seek His kingdom first. Stop asking God to join you in your kingdom. Yes, it's another level. It's a deeper discipleship, but it will change your attitude and your outlook on your global worldview. It'll change what you think when you watch the news. It'll change what you think when you go to school or you go to work or in your neighborhood. And now in light of the cross of Christ, even more so for God's people today who are followers of Jesus, you'll have a different attitude. You'll see the world differently. Well, because He's done great things, you may need to confess your sins for the first time if you do not know Jesus. If you're truly considering today and you happen to be here, you're considering what the Lord has done, you'll consider today giving your heart and life to Jesus and repenting of your sins even now. For Jesus has done much. He has done all that is required, all that is necessary to find the way to bridge the gulf between you and Him so that you might know God's love and live with Him forever in heaven. In Samuel's summary of the history of Israel up to this point, Samuel mentioned Jacob whose family went to live in Egypt, then Moses who led them out of Egypt to the promised land and the land they were living. And then and his story, he says, then something happened. It just happened once, but it happened often. But something happened. And it's the basic of all sin that separated them. It's the first of the Ten Commandments. What is it? Well, it's found in the very first line of verse 9, chapter 12 and verse 9. But they forgot the Lord their God. Then we read in verse 10, And they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord, have served the Baals and the Ashtoreth. But now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies that we may serve you. They cried out to God and the Lord heard their cry and forgave their sin, provided victory for the Israelites in many places so they could come and dwell in the promised land. Often military, physical history, but on a greater scale, spiritual victory as well. In our case, it's about victory over our enemies. Now, whenever we read the Old Testament and we read about physical battles taking place, we can make application to our enemies. In our case, our enemies are sin, Satan, and death, and even sometimes self or selfishness. So today, if you do not know Jesus, but because you've considered great things that He has done, you're ready to confess your sins and for the first time place your faith in Him. Then you can be sure that Jesus will transform all of these things we've mentioned, but primarily... He'll transform your destination. For instead of heading for defeat or destruction, you're now by God's grace headed for a lifetime and an eternal relationship with the Lord Jesus as his new disciple. Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, "The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance." Maybe you just kind of wandered in here today and you're not even sure how you got here. Maybe you've wandered listening online and you're not too sure about that. Maybe you've come with a family member or a friend. Maybe you're here today and you've been here many times before, but nobody knows that you do not have a real relationship with Jesus. Spend these next few moments considering the great things the Lord has done. And before this service is complete, give your heart and life to Jesus Give your life over to Him, and He will begin to transform you you from the inside out. In a few moments, we're going to have our song of commitment. That's a time that you can come and speak to myself or to one of our pastors and let us know you've given your heart and life over to Jesus, or you can let us know that it's something that you want to do. But know that the invitation extends well beyond, that you can come and talk with us anytime about your faith. You can come anytime confessing, to the Lord Jesus Christ and you can come give your heart and life to Him but don't put it off but also because He has done great things you need to confess your sins daily if you know Jesus as your Savior and Lord and today you're considering the great things He's done maybe the most natural response is for you to be able to see your inadequacies and your sins as a follower of Jesus we are far from perfect we're saved sinners but like it or not Confession will continue to be a part of a growing relationship with Jesus. We read a moment ago, 1 Samuel chapter 12, and verse 10, about the confession of God's people. In fact, the story of Israel is the story of God's people forgetting God and sinning and going after other gods and idols time and time again and then God's grace and forgiveness when they call out to Him. But the Israelites, for the most part, they were stuck in a vicious cycle and never seemed to learn from their own mistakes. But you do not have to be stuck in that vicious cycle and never growing. For you have seen even greater things. You've seen a greater love demonstrated in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to their confession in 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 19. In verse 19 it says, And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God. That we may not die for we have added to all of our sins this evil to ask for ourselves a king. They finally realized that they were sinning against God by asking for a king and putting their trust in a physical king rather than in God as their king. Well, God's people, genuine followers of Jesus who are growing, they don't wait for something really bad to happen and then try to get all things right with Jesus. We're daily confess our sins and truly repent and seek to be more like Him. Now let's be clear. For all those who are part of the family of God, there is no sin that somehow kicks you out of being a part of the family of the Heavenly Father. We know that instead He has us in His grasp and nothing can snatch us out of the hand of God. How do we know that? Because Jesus has told us that. He told us more than once. This is part of considering the great things that God has done. Since that is true, then we need to consider. But a growing relationship, growing fellowship, and being a fit vessel for kingdom use does depend on daily confession and continual commitment, uh, communication with your Lord Jesus. If you're confessing your sins daily, He's going to transform your schedule. He'll transform your schedule. For one thing, you'll know this will need to be a part of your daily life. to be something that you need to continue to do. Secondly, once you spend time confessing sins and spending communicating with the Lord Jesus, He will set the rest of the agenda for your day and your walk in His footsteps. First John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, We're only made righteous by the blood of Jesus, but a continual confession is necessary to cleanse us, keep us clean, and to make us useful and fit for the kingdom. Daily confession is a natural part of a genuine walk with Jesus. Well, consider that because He's done great things, live redemptively through His power. Live redemptively through His power. The Israelites would often want to confess their sin after some tragic event or after judgment of God has come upon them. and Samuel wanted God's people, even then as they considered the great things of God had done, to see their own sins and confess them before God. Now, if you like preachers who have object lessons, then you'll love the prophet Samuel because he had an object lesson for them. They had sinned because they'd put their trust in a king instead of in their trust in God as their king. And then Samuel said in verse 16, he says, Watch and see the power of God. Now it was wheat harvest time, we're told. Do you know when wheat harvest time is? It's in June, same time in which we are in now. And in that area of the world, there was very little or no rain. And... Verse 17 says, I will call upon the Lord that he may send thunder and rain and you will see how great your wickedness is. It must have been not just a regular kind of a thunderstorm in that day because they'd seen rain perhaps in thunder before. It must have been a knockdown thunderstorm and rain because in verse 18 you see their reaction that they feared. They not only feared God but also they feared Samuel. Samuel told them the same message we need today. If you want to live redemptively, that is like you've been changed, like you've been redeemed. Don't trust in anything that this world has to offer because everything else is empty. Only trust in Jesus. And the more you trust in Him, the more He will transform your actions. You'll be able to see the power of God demonstrated around you. You'll see the power of God demonstrated in you and through you as you're ready to live redemptively. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will. Now here's the good news and part of considering great things He does the transforming in our life. You and I are to simply follow closely and serve faithfully. And when we follow closely and serve faithfully, He will transform your heart and life to be like Jesus. When Samuel told them to consider great things, the great things that God had done for them, there were some great days that were happening even at that time. King Saul had won his first victory and exalted the name of Jesus. The people repented of their sins and they were wanting to serve God wholeheartedly. But Samuel had no idea, perhaps, how greater things there were to come, including the greatest king of the Old Testament. We mentioned King David. And then, of course, the birth of Jesus, the Savior of the world, the ushering in of the new kingdom. The King of kings would make himself known, and it would be known that all people who put their faith in him, that salvation is available to everyone and that he's coming again. May we live like we believe that that's true. Consider the the great things that the Lord has done but there are greater things still to come. Consider what great things the Lord has done for this church. 52 years of ministry here in this community. We've had many people come to know Jesus as their savior and Lord and be disciples of the ministries of Parkway Baptist Church. We continue to see guests and new members our ministries are increasing our missions giving and going continues to grow. The Lord has blessed financially and He has been faithful as we place more and more of our trust in Him. But we cannot see what the Lord can see because only the Lord can see the future. We know the Lord has greater things still to come. I want you to look again at our text, the very last part, 1 Samuel chapter 12, and verse 24, the very last part of that. Today, this is what we need to do. Consider what great things God has done for you. Now, if you cannot name them, you need to begin fresh and anew for He's provided salvation. You are blessed if you know Jesus beyond what you can comprehend. Maybe you have more good things happening, more time, good joyful times and relationships in your life than you can count, more blessings that you can count. Or maybe you've had more difficulties than good times, but still, even as a follower of Jesus, it is He who has sustained you and has been with you, has not left you. You cannot see the future, but God can. And as you've been asked today through the Scripture to consider all the things that God has done for you, know this, for everyone who is in this room that is a follower of Jesus or becomes a follower of Jesus, greater things are still to come. And now as you trust Him more, if this is the message for this church, this is the message for you today, still keeping with maybe an airport theme, please put your seat and trace up in the locked position. Be sure your seat belt is buckled. Put away all electrical devices. Observe the no smoking sign because we're about to take off. Greater things are still to come for all those who place their faith in the one who is the King of Kings. Let's pray together. Gracious heavenly Father, we recognize how you continue to be at work in our lives. We thank you once again that we can come and be a part of what has taken place at your table today. And we have remembered the body and the blood of Jesus that was shed for each one of us. Thank you for the great things that you have done. We pray, Father, through the songs that have been sung, through the partaking of the Lord's Supper and the proclamation of your word, that you have caused us to consider what great things that you have done for each one of us. Father, may it not be something that just that we say we believe, but because of faith, may it truly make a difference. And Father, we pray even now that we recognize that there are greater things still to come because we know that you're coming again. We know that you're going to be at work in our church and our individual lives. And we know, Father, and we thank you that we can be a part of that great work. We pray if there's one here who does not know you, one listening today that may be unsure of their salvation, May they understand because of what God has done for us, because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that they know that they can have life and eternal life. And today they'll call upon Jesus to be their Savior and Lord. We lift these prayers up in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.